Welcome to the Food Foundation podcast, the award-winning voice of the charity which campaigns for better access to healthy food for everyone in the UK. I'm Anna Taylor, the Executive Director, and I'm bringing you a special episode this week from China. I've just been lucky enough to visit Chengdu, which is a city of 20 million people and the capital of Sichuan province. I was invited to share experiences from the UK on making food environments more healthy. As in the UK, the influx of highly processed foods are driving the rise in childhood overweight and obesity in China. I was keen to learn about the challenges the Chinese are facing and whether they have ideas which we could learn from here in the UK. But first of all, a bit of context from Roland Kutka, who is the Regional Nutrition Advisor for UNICEF in the East Asia Pacific region, and he's based in Thailand. He told me why UNICEF is getting interested in food environments. What we've experienced in this region um, is that it's one of the fastest growing regions globally when it comes to overweight obesity among children. Just two decades ago, um, you know, if you picture a classroom, two out of 30 children were living with overweight. Nowadays, um, it is uh, seven, and there's a lot of momentum behind uh, this this development. So if um, food environments are not improved, um, it's very clear that uh, the prevalence is going to grow even, uh, even more. In China, as is happening all over the world, traditional diets are being replaced by the kind of ultra-processed food and drink that's convenient, more attractive to consumers and designed to have longer shelf life. But they're often poor sources of nutrients that we need to protect our health. So what does improving food environments mean in this region of the world? Roland Kupka. What uh, we want to do is we want to make it... Um, easier for children to eat well, to improve the surroundings they live in, um, to improve um, healthier options. Um, And we've kind of divided up this work into uh, uh, four different areas. Um, So first, we we are working on um, the uh, taxation of unhealthy foods, specifically uh, sugar-sweetened beverages. For instance, there's some work we're doing on this in Vietnam. We're working on... um, regulating the uh, marketing of unhealthy foods and non-alcoholic beverages to children. Um, so there's some work, for instance, we're doing in, um, in Thailand on this. We're also supporting countries to put in place effective labeling systems. For instance, in the Philippines, we do this work. Um, and then we've um, worked in now uh, four countries to um, better understand school food environments and with the aim also then to improve and make these school food environments healthier. So these have been four core areas of our work. And more recently, what we've started to do is to add two other areas um, to that. Um, The first area being to see how we can also bring the ideas and the aspirations and the the dreams, if you will, of adolescents into into the design of these these programs. So we've started a regional initiative that we called Fix My Food, which takes place also here in, in China, to again see how do we bring the youth voice Um, and their ideas into the design of these programs. And then secondly, um, we've started um, some work with uh, Deakin University in uh, Australia to see whether also retail food environments in urban settings uh, can be improved to, again, make it easier to, uh, to eat well. Many of these issues are also being discussed in the UK, so there was lots to talk about. 
I chatted to two young people who talk passionately about the impact of unhealthy environments on their lives. So actually, our advice is coming from the consultation is that we hope that there will be、uh, AI goggles where we can see the essence of the food, and also we get to know what are the healthy food, what are those food that are. Unhealthy, and we are also helping to have some public kitchens for those who are too busy to、uh, cook, so that they can have、um, enabling dining environments. And also, we hope that in the schools there will be healthy stores, and where unhealthy food is banned in such stores. And we hope that there will be more regulations that will. Punish those stores that are selling those foods that contribute to overweight and obesity among adolescents and young people. And like many of the young people we work with at the Food Foundation, they were hopeful of action being taken to protect their health. I was told about some of the results of the survey that had been conducted with young people in Chengdu. The results shows that the stores and restaurants、um, nearby the、um, surroundings or、uh, environments of these、uh, young people actually they offer very few healthy food, and mostly、um, what they offer is the unhealthy food. And the most recent commercials or advertisers、um, advertisings、uh, they have seen are those um, high um, in fat and sugar. Or、uh, in sodium, so actually those are the fast food or the snacks, and、um, there is very few healthy or fresh food、um, that are in their sight. So we ask those young people.、Um, they said that、um, of course they know that the snack and fast food are unhealthy, but they still choosing this kind of food is because either it's cheap or it's tasty. And the survey showed clearly that it's the marketing of faster, unhealthier food to young people that's one of the biggest challenges. Uh, we just in choosing healthy food. We face so the challenges that we face that prevents us from choosing the healthy food. Actually, first of all, is the advertising, advertisers or the commercials. Those are so prevalent at the social media platforms, short video platforms, and also the KOL. Um, key influencers、um, that will impact a lot of the young people、um, because many of them would be、um, so easily mobilized, and then they will follow their choices in、uh, buying、uh, buying such. Kind of food, and secondly, because、um, the snacks、um, commercials on the snacks is so、um, prevalent on the short video platforms, social media platforms, that the young people sometimes they find it this might be interesting or tasty because、um, it then adds on the appeal to them. So, and also、um, the providers they might highlight、um, the facts that. Um, such kind of food is a high in fiber and is、uh, is not fried, but actually they are changing the concept. They are stealing the concept. So actually, those food what they are not revealing is those kind of food are high in sugar, high in fat, high in sodium. So actually,、um, these are the challenges. And on top of that, because we are living in a very fast-paced world, and many of the people they don't have the time to make healthy meals for themselves. Instead, they choose. 
ordering. And that also opened up the door for them to access these kind of unhealthy foods. And uh, among that, there are also other kind of challenges because uh, many of the young people, they find the um, very well-packaged food so appealing to them. So the packaging is also another challenge that we face. Making retail offerings more healthy is one of the approaches which UNICEF is supporting across the region. Professor Catherine Bacola, co-director of the Global Centre for Preventative Health and Nutrition at Deakin University in Melbourne, Australia, was in Chengdu at the same time as me. And we visited a supermarket which was trying to support healthier choices. Um, I mean, the supermarket was very orderly um, and um, many, many packaged goods. But I think what stood out from a health perspective was that the aisles for, say, soft drink or junk food or confectionery it was a relatively small space compared to what you'd see in Australia with huge long aisles full of soft drinks, for example. The biggest thing for me was that really stood out was the lack of vegetables. So tiny, tiny space for vegetables. Plenty of fruit, but hardly any vegetables at all. Um, and they still had end-of-aisle displays of junk food, which we know influences purchases. And certain items in areas that would encourage children to choose junk foods as well. So, for example, the um, the young child area, so with formula and complementary foods, also had confectionery right next to the complementary foods. But what I found amazing was the speed of online delivery. This supermarket promised to deliver within 30 minutes. They had a rail running around the top of the shop with a bag collecting online orders as they came in. Surely this is the future of shopping driven by artificial intelligence. I think one of the most interesting things they've done is reduce the availability of total options. So in their online store, they have about twenty to 30,000 options, whereas in store, it's about 7,000. And the reason for that was to make it easier for their customers, which is really interesting because in other countries, it's about, you know, put out as many uh, products as possible onto the market and let people choose um, and so they've also tried to do a number of healthy store options, so a fair bit of labelling on low sugar, low fat, low salt, and limit the amount of unhealthy foods in the store. And Catherine and her colleagues are harnessing AI to also help to monitor digital marketing of food so that we can measure people's exposure. Yeah, yeah so when we've talked to policymakers around the world about regulating digital food marketing, one of the first challenges they say is that it's so hard to monitor unhealthy food through digital devices and if you can't monitor it, you can't enforce a policy and if you can't enforce a policy, what's the point in putting one in place in the first place? And so we're building a system that will hopefully help governments monitor digital food marketing um, using deep learning algorithms that automatically detect large transnational brands um, on the internet and um, over time we'll be able to detect breaches to any law in place and hold companies to account to any given law. Actually our system in the UK is even better than our Australian system now um, and so we're able to detect over 100 brands in the UK now using that AI system so it's called the scanner system. Hopefully if our regulations come in one day. Hopefully your regulations <laughs> do come in because um, I really think they're global, setting a global example of good food policy, especially in the area of digital food marketing. And if it, they do come in, they'll need a system to monitor it. And hopefully that would be the point and it could feed into policy in the UK. 
Ronan Kutker says that the regulation of food marketing, particularly to children, is a central part of UNICEF's work. Yeah, so I think one um, point we wanted to make um, very clearly is that um, the best way to get at improving food environments and uh, preventing overweight and obesity is to put in place the right uh, uh, regulations. So we wanted to put in the agenda of policymakers here in Chengdu and beyond the importance of um, finding ways to uh, uh, regulate the marketing of unhealthy foods to children. And I believe that um, we have been able to put that on the table and uh, there have been some very productive discussions. Um, the visit has also uh, provided us with an insight on um, the work on, on retail. Uh, we had a chance to visit a few um, retailers. Uh, we also had a chance to visit um, a restaurant that is uh, participating in a healthy uh, restaurant initiative here. And I think it's just so inspiring um, to uh, actually then see the, the work that is happening and, and also the committed individuals who are, who are behind this work. Now, one of the really amazing parts of my visit to Sichuan was eating their food. Wow. It was a real adventure, all sorts of new tastes, beautifully prepared and exquisitely presented. And what was lovely was that every meal we ate was around a round table, chatting with one another with a big revolving lazy Susan in the middle and an array of delicious dishes to choose from. I even learned a bit of etiquette about when and how you revolve the lazy Susan to get to the food you're after. It struck me early on in the trip that Chengdu has a wonderful treasure to protect in its cuisine. If you look at how the junk food cycle has escalated in the UK over the past 50 years, I really hope that China can find ways to curb that tide and keep hold of its culinary tradition. One of the places where this is happening is in schools. Fiona Watson, nutrition strategy consultant with UNICEF China Country Office, was with me when we visited one of Chengdu's nutrition schools. Well, we arrived at about 8.30 to an incredible site, which was 3,000 primary school children, all outside on a huge playing field, all with their little red scarves around them, their necks, doing um, exercises and all um, to, you know, they were given orders and then they would follow the exercises in time and then with music. It was absolutely extraordinary. What was extraordinary is some of these children were as young as, I don't know, five or six and they were all obediently following this whole thing. Um, it, they took 40 minutes doing exercises and then we were told that each child will do up to two and a half hours of exercise per day as part of the school syllabus. And you realise why, because when you look around, the school was surrounded by high-rise blocks, incredibly close together. There's very little space for play or any other sports for children. So what they do in school, the sport they're getting in school, the exercise, is, in, is, is really important, it's critical for those kids. And what I really loved and what I didn't expect was how they're dealing with water fountains. Many of the young food ambassadors who we work with at the Food Foundation complain to us about the state of water fountains in their schools. They're often damaged or simply not working and they don't trust the water and jugs in the canteens because the kids sometimes mess around with them. But in the primary schools here in Chengdu, there are at least 10 locations for water fountains the water quality and the temperature was being digitally monitored through a central screen and they were also being watched by CCTV. So if anything wasn't working as it should, it could be picked up easily and fixed. 
Fiona described how school meals work at one of the Chengdu nutrition schools. There's a very large canteen with metal tables and stools um, around them. So children were divided into tables of, I don't know, about ten or so. Apparently the teachers eat with the children. What was interesting is that this school has banned any kind of food or drink being brought into the school by parents or by children. So no food or drink brought from home. And the children all get one lunch, the same lunch, unless I think they have allergies or there's a special case. But there is one lunch. On the day we went, it looked pretty healthy. They were having meatballs, soup, um, rice and vegetables. So very good. And it's all very, very high tech. So there is a huge um, screen up above the kitchen which said what the calorie content and the, you know, the content, the nutrient content of this meal was going to be. So very high tech, um, including the water fountains. They had loads of water fountains all over the school. However, um, although this school was exceptional, it was one of only two schools that have actually had a certificate this year as a um, nutrition healthy school, I think they called it. Two in uh, Chengdu City, which has... 20 million people living in it. So it just shows that, you know, scale, scaling it up is really going to be the, um, the, the challenge. Another amazing project which we visited was Nini's Food Education Centre, right in the centre of the city. Nini herself showed us around. Uh, this is the first one in China uh, for the uh, food education uh, just for the public. For this centre, we, we have more than uh, 10,000 kids uh, coming here already because uh, the cen- uh, centre has been exists for uh, three and a half years. And the, the kids will come in uh, like after five o'clock after school, they're coming here. And it's like an um, uh, orphan part of the life. And uh, there are two floors, uh, uh, totally it's 1,000 square meters. Uh-huh. And uh, for the uh, top floor is uh, the garden. Is for the we we call the um, the um, food uh, forest garden, and uh, the uh, the, uh, uh, the the first floor is uh, we have the three um, three classroom and one uh, the big hall. The big hall is for the lectures for the uh, public um, exchange the idea about the food. And for the kids to um, uh, to discuss what's a kind of food uh, which is uh, good for them or suitable for them, or any idea about the food, all kinds of topic could happen in the uh, the, the the main hall. And another three um, uh, we call classroom is one is we call magic lab. Uh, there is um, uh, is something uh, there are uh, kind of uh, food lessons will happen there. Um, for example, uh, the kids will learn how to um, taste the food, how to smell the food, and how to um, recognize the, the bad uh, bacteria and the good bacteria. Uh, and uh, the another uh, uh, classroom we call the Rainbow Kitchen, which the kids can learn the nutrition and the cooking. Uh, and uh, the uh, three classrooms that have the, the kids have their own uniforms, uh, which is very special. For example, the, the mini shifts, uh, the uniform, uh, 
or the the science uh, uh, uniform, and uh, another classroom is also the uh, kids dining room uh, because the the kids can enjoy the chill, uh, the kids meal there. But also, it's a kind of classroom to teach the kids to learn the table manners, which you can see there is a round table or square table because. Uh, in the Ch Chinese traditional um, uh, dining room, we always have the the wrong one, which people can share the meal. Uh, and um, actually, there is another um, uh, space, which is a toilet. But we all, always use that toilet as a, um, a classroom as well, because the kids can learn from the poops <laughs> uh, to know what the the the, the meal is uh, is good or not the body is good or not uh, so we we have the like uh, bristol chat chat uh, there is uh, eight kinds of different poops uh, which can helps kids to understand how the body works and which food is good which food is bad and um, whether they eat well or bad uh, so this is uh, the first floor, and up uh, the floor we go to the garden, the food forest, which we grow uh, different seasonal vegetable there, and uh, the uh, different varieties of the herbs, and also we have the uh, uh, the compost because all the uh, compost is from the uh, the the dining, the kitchen, and also uh, from the like the the leaves. Or uh, actually, we have the um, supermarket. No, it's not a supermarket. It's, it's a huge market, the food market downstairs. So we always connect some um, uh, rubbish food. I, I don't know what they're called. The, yeah, the food waste or the compost food. Yeah, the yeah. compost food. And we make the compost on the roof and give the soil uh, nutrition. So this is the the, the two floors, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, the reason why I built up this center because uh, I found the the kids who living in the city, uh, they are far from uh, uh, the, the the farm or the nature. So I want to make a kind of uh, um, um, uh, space which they can easily join in and uh, easily touch it and easily. Um, to to experience uh, the the real food uh, um, uh, system, yeah, and it, it maybe it's very tiny food system, but it's still a system food system because you can see uh, the food from the seed grow up and they have the uh, the the fruit and the, the you know the the they will die and they will come back um, uh, to uh, to the uh, soil again. So the whole food system that the uh, the kids can join it and also they can come every day now not only uh, for the summer or the winter to go far away to to get in touch with the farm so this is a kind of uh, space who nearby the daily life Nini is clearly a pioneer and I'm excited to know where she takes her ideas next I hope I can link her with the people running similar initiatives here in the UK there are no doubt major challenges ahead for this region of the world, but it's good to see the policy choices being explored. I really hope that they can get ahead of the rising tide of obesity before it impacts too many people. Thank you for listening to our podcast. As we head towards the next general election, the Food Foundation is calling on policymakers to recognise the importance of the food system in shaping the nation's health and wealth. 
And you can help by writing to your MP and telling them why good food is a source of prosperity for everyone in the UK and the world. Just go to thefoodfoundation.org.uk and use its data in your letter. That's what it's for. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast to keep up with the latest analysis on what makes healthy food matter. 